0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hi, my name is Rachel Estrap, and I will be reading from John chapter 20, verses 24 through 29. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Rachel, thank you for reading the scripture for us today. So I'm glad you're here for this last message in the series of Hope is Here. In this series, we've learned some really important things. Hope is here because Jesus, the bread of life, sustains us when we are weary. Jesus, the light of the world, shines grace on our brokenness hope is here because jesus who is the resurrection and the life brings new possibilities to the underdog and today we'll talk about how jesus the good shepherd seeks out the doubter now some of you might have had similar experience uh, to me in my teenage and early into early adulthood Years, the the church circles I was in at that time, uh, there were some number of people, not everybody certainly, but there were some number of people who uh, viewed doubt as a very, very bad thing. I mean, really bad. I mean, if you doubted, you're a problem, you're wrong, and you better start believing. It didn't matter what the doubt was regarding, it was just wrong to doubt. You can't doubt. So there was no room for conversations. They they said if you start doubting, well you're going it's a slippery slope and you're gonna backslide. anybody know what backsliding is? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're gonna lose your faith. So doubt was seen as a very very bad thing, and it was a matter of you better get your act together and start believing. So. That was, you know, I I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't feel that was a super helpful way, a constructive way, life giving way to experience faith and to explore faith. I mean, because there's a real difference between having doubt and denial, right? It's one thing to have doubts about something; it's another to say, "I I deny that even exists. I deny that that uh, is true." It's very different. Now often, it, often I think the real issue in those kinds of situations is, is that what's really the issue is not so much the doubt of the person, it's the fear of the other person. The fear that that person might lose faith or the fear that there's some doubts that they have they just don't own up to. Well what I've learned is, is that doubt is a normal part of deepening understanding. Doubt is a normal part of deepening understanding. People doubt for a, a number of reasons. Uh, some people are just hardwired that way, right? I mean, there's always that person that when you give them some kind of information, their fr- the initial reaction is something like, I don't know about that. I mean, right, right? I mean, it's just that's their initial reaction. Just like there are people who are hardwired to believe everything you say. You can say something that's really far-fetched, and they'll go, Really? Well, no, I'm just, you know, having fun at your expense, but some people are just hardwired. They're just prone to doubt, and that's okay. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, there are some times that we have doubt because someone significant in our faith life has let us down. It could be someone in, in a small group you participate in. It can be a church leader. It could be a pastor. It could be something like that, and that person has let you down. A trust has been betrayed. There's been hurt that you would have never imagined would happen, and they've let you down, and you begin to have doubts. Or or it even can be someone that you don't know personally, but someone that, you know, you always uh, watch their teachings on YouTube, or you've read their books, or you've, and and you listen to their podcasts, and then, oh, come to find out, well, there's a lot about them that I didn't know, and now I have doubts. Sometimes um, doubt comes because of new information. You get new information, and, uh, and it challenges some of the assumptions you've had. Because, you know, we kind of build our faith, build our belief system, the framework, in a, certain, in a particular way, based on the information we have. And then we get new information, and then we're like, huh, well, that really, that kind of changes some things. I don't know what to make of that. Now, now, to make it even harder today is that not only is there lots of information out there, as I've heard someone say, I wish I could remember who it was, that you know, there's, we have an overload of information, but we, but we un- lack understanding and meaning. We have too much information and not enough understanding and meaning. So it, the, one of the problems anymore is there's a lot of false information out there. I mean, it's just wrong, some of it. But it's just what it's out there all the time. And so, so the first thing we have, the difficulty we have is deciding is this, is this information credible or is it not? Even that process, we can begin to have doubt. A life changing event, certainly if there's a, a significant tragedy that you or someone close to you goes through, um, or it could be something that was really great. I mean, there are stories, it's amazing the number of stories of people who really were just kind of average people and they won the lottery, you know, won, won the jackpot. And man, life changed for them. They lost faith along the way. Sometimes it's an experience that doesn't align with your beliefs, and, and you're, trying to make sure, you're just trying to make sense of it. What does that mean? How, I'm not sure how to make sense of this. And it can even be something as subtle as a conversation with somebody that may not even be about your faith, but there's something they say or the way they say it. and You're like, wow, I never thought of that. And you start going, your, your brain starts churning, and you start thinking, I don't know. That happens. It's okay because doubt is a normal part of deepening understanding. Well, this certainly happened to Thomas. Uh, It was, you know, he had been with Jesus uh, through his teaching and all the travels and the miracles. And then, of course, Jesus was arrested and he was tried, he was crucified. All The followers of Jesus, for the most part, all went into hiding because it was a dangerous time to be associated with Jesus because when Jesus was crucified, that was the Roman government's way of saying, we are trying to humiliate this individual and anyone who is associated with him. So it was really not a great time to be wandering the streets. So the disciples were in hiding. They weren't sure what to do. Except there was a time that the disciples were gathered, and Jesus appears to them and makes himself known to them, his resurrected self. Now they had heard that some of the Mary Magdalene, some of the women had seen him in the garden, and they heard the news, but they had not seen him yet. And so Jesus appears to them. It's a great, it's a great, great moment. It's true. It's confirmed. Gee, he is alive. But Thomas was not in the room. We don't know where Thomas was. Uh, I like to speculate, but that'll just distract us. He Thomas was not in the room, so when Thomas comes back, they say, "Thomas, guess what? Jesus has appeared we 've seen him, not just the, the word of Mary Magdalene and the other women no we 've seen him and thomas 's reaction is i don 't think so, I doubt it Now, one commentator said, and I don't know if I don't know if she was joking or not. Uh, but one of the commentators I read said that Thomas is probably one of the uh, of the disciples, probably like an Eeyore character. You know the Winnie the Pooh characters. He's probably the, the Eeyore of the group that's always always blue. You know, always unhappy. That could be. You know, he he heard the news. Oh, I don't, I don't know what I saw. There's no way. You're just pulling my leg, trying to make me feel better. <laughs> so, Thomas uh, probably was, a, was also a practical kind of guy. The first thing we even really hear about Thomas is in John chapter 11. That's, uh, that's the chapter we were in last week, where Jesus went to Mary and Martha because their brother Lazarus had died. Okay, well, before he went to them, he had gotten the news about Lazarus. They were somewhere else. He had gotten the news, and he said to his disciples, we need to go to Judea. And they said, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that because uh, in Judea, it's, there are people there who want to do you harm. They have threatened you. They are actively working against you. It is a dangerous time to go there. No, we should not do that. And Jesus said, okay, well, we're going to go. And so Thomas commented. Thomas' statement was, let us also go that we may die with him. That's Thomas. That's the first we heard of Thomas, anything he said. Now, it works in an Eeyore voice too, right? Let us also go that we may die with him. Works out pretty well in an Eeyore voice. I'm here all week. Yeah, right. right. (laughs) You know, so the funny thing about this story is, is that we always point out the, the doubt of Thomas in the story. Like, that's the focal point. We call it the doubting Thomas stories. I mean, when people, oh, you know the doubting Thomas story. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Don't. The point of the story is Jesus comes back for Thomas. The other disciples had seen, I mean, Jesus could have said, well, 10 out of the 11 of them believe. Yeah, you know, it's okay. That's a pretty good percentage. No, he comes back for Thomas and shows up. Peace be with you. Hey, Thomas, here I am. Check it out. I mean, I would almost imagine Jesus would show up and say, Thomas, I can't believe you. All the travels, all the conversations, all the teaching you heard me do. No. Peace be with you. Check it out. What do you need to see? Jesus went to Thomas as an act of grace. He sought him out to provide the confirmation that Thomas needed. And this, is, this is not the first time that we hear of, John, of, uh, of Jesus uh, saying he's going to go for the people. In John chapter 10, he says this, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as my father knows me and I know the father as I lay down my life for the sheep. The good shepherd will not abandon the sheep. The good shepherd will go to find the lost sheep. The, good sh- the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, Leads me beside still waters, restores my soul. This has been an image of the nature of God for a very long time. Jesus embraces it then for himself. I am the good shepherd. Now you hold that up against another time that Jesus is speaking in the Gospel of Luke, and it's 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 what we call it the chapter of, of lost things, where the, the all the parables and the, there's three parables and they're all about something that was lost and then was found. There's the woman who lost the coin and just you know turned her house upside down to find. What was lost. There's, there's the lost son. We call it the prodigal son story, who, who left rent, you know, left. I'm leaving. I'm no longer part of this family. And then, you know, a uh, uh, boy hits rock bottom and comes back to ask his dad just for a job. And the father welcomes him. My son who was lost is found. And in that same chapter, Jesus told them this parable Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. The good shepherd will go for the one. Jesus goes looking for the doubter. Because that person is a child of God that person is someone for whom Jesus died. Jesus laid down his life for the sheep. He will go looking for them. Now sometimes it's not you that's experiencing some doubt, sometimes it's somebody in your life. And I, you know, over the years I've had people ask me, what do I what do I say to someone who's struggling, going through a season of doubt in their faith? And so here's just some ideas, just some ideas. If someone in your life expresses doubt in their faith, be okay with that. Be okay with that. Give them space and grace. They need some space to explore. Okay. Be okay with that. I'm not saying don't care, but I'm just, let, let them explore. It's okay. Sometimes they also need to, sometimes in those moments, giving them space and grace confirms for them that your faith is real. Give them space and grace. Engage them in conversation, I'm, so don't, don't ignore, I'm, saying, I'm not saying ignore them, but engage in conversation, but not coercion. Not, I'm going to convince you to believe. <laughs> That's my goal here. You're going to come out of this believing the way I believe. Let's have conversation. Oh, so you're, not sure, so you're doubting the power of prayer. Okay, well, let's talk about that. Just have conversation around it. Share your story of doubt when appropriate. Because surely everybody, everybody gathered here and online, surely we've all had doubt about faith somewhere along the way. Share your story. What was your doubt and how did, how did God meet you? And how did that resolve in your life? And trust, trust that Jesus the Good Shepherd will never stop coming for them. We'll never stop seeking them out. Because Jesus knows his sheep, and they will know him. So, I, uh my very first church job was uh, I was a youth director at a church in Amarillo. Uh, it was not uncommon back in those days at least for some for them to find a college student who would come just for the summer to be the youth director. Um and so that was my first church job, uh, all of 19 years old, and uh, went and, and did that. Learned a lot. It was a great, it was a great experience. Um, so early on, they said, well, we, we always like to have a midweek Bible study. I said, okay, great. That sounds good. What do you want to study? What, what are you interested in? And they threw around some ideas, but, but then it, it landed on, well, we want to know, why are there so many different churches? I mean, what's the difference? What are the different beliefs and practices? I mean, why? Okay, we're United Methodist, but what about Baptist and Church of Christ and 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 uh, Assemblies of God and Catholic and Presbyterian and and then there's across the street from our church is a Pentecostal church. What is that? What do they believe? And which usually is followed by and which one is right? And I said, okay, well let's do that study. Let's look at it. So early on, in the first couple of weeks, there was a couple of parents, not a lot, just a couple of parents who came to me and said they were very concerned about the Bible study. I said, well, so tell me more. What's your concern? And they said, well, it sounds like you're going to introduce doubt in their faith. And I said, "Well, well, I mean, I said, I'm going to talk about United Methodists, and believe me, I'm going to talk about it in a positive way. That's what I choose to be and i'm and i'm gonna describe other churches and their histories and beliefs i'm not gonna i'm not gonna promote them necessarily i'm also not gonna condemn them or criticize i'm just gonna describe it and i said so if if you're uncomfortable with your student coming to bible study well then keep them home okay that's all right but if if they're there don't worry i'm gonna it's gonna be okay they said well all right so they let their so they had their kids go ahead and come And at the end of the summer, it was really interesting. I was sitting there with, uh, and I I said, okay, we've talked about all these different groups, these these denominations and these beliefs and practices and histories, and talked about that. So so what do you think? I mean, is there some church out there that you think, man, that one sounds awesome? Or is there some church or belief out there that you think, eh, I don't want to go near that? What, What do you think? They all said, you know, now that we know all that information, I feel so much more appreciation for the faith I've grown up in. I so much more appreciate the faith of my, of, my, of my family. And I so much more appreciate my home church now that I know about these other things. Some of them might have had some doubts along the way. I don't know. But it also seemed to be a normal part of deepening understanding. Because Jesus, the good shepherd, never stops coming to you let's pray god we're grateful for uh, the the gift of your grace and for your faithfulness to us though we often (laughs) have our doubts sometimes we are right there at a denial sometimes we've turned our back on you and you keep coming to us you keep coming Because you love us. You love us and so you reach out to us in ways that we see and recognize in ways that we do not comprehend. And yet we are assured that you are with us and that you love us. We're grateful for that. We're grateful to know that that hope is always here. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.